In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos post-game reaction podcast brought to you by Funny Bone Broth as the Argos drop their preseason opener 23-17 to the Ottawa Red Blacks. Ben Grant, along with JB, as always, we'll break down the game for you, tell you what you saw, and uh, let's JB, let's start it off with the, just getting there. This, this whole game, for a road team, this is a, a huge disadvantage. It takes you out of your routine. Not only are you bringing you know, half the number of guys, but they're flying on a plane this morning. They didn't know for sure there was going to be a game until last night. They're in Guelph this morning. They get on a plane. They get to Ottawa. Throws off your whole pregame routine. It's it's a bit of a mess. Like even even high school teams traveling that distance are going to go a day in advance. So like it, it just I, I think right away sets a, a a strange mood probably for the day because it's not your typical game day routine. Mm-hmm. I actually thought it was pretty good. I mean, I thought that like the Argos Edmonton game at the end of the season last year was way worse. Uh, than oh yeah, no. In terms, I'm not saying it affected the quality. Yeah. I just think, no, like, I, I actually think they responded quite yeah, well. But I, I, it's just I, not an ideal no, situation. No, it, it's 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 not great. But I, I, honestly, I was impressed. I thought, I thought things looked pretty fluid for uh, a team that didn't have a lot of practices and and traveled on the day and you know was basically starting the bench. You know, I I, I thought I thought it looked okay. The scoreboard in the first half might disagree with you. Yeah, I mean, okay is probably a pretty low bar. I mean, <laughs> yeah. when when the when the bar is the Edmonton Toronto game, um, you know, that's true. But this was much better than the Edmonton Toronto yeah, game, right? <laughs> and and it shouldn't be really like no. you look at the guys that were out there today. This the the guys out there for Edmonton, they were also all backups, but they were all seconds. These you know we were we're all over the place today. So yeah, no, I actually thought it was a pretty entertaining game, and it came down to the wire. That was it was an exciting finish. So yeah, let's let's get into it a little bit. Why don't we go through uh, sort of you know some positional analysis, and we'll just sort of you know talk about uh, you know what we saw from different players instead of our typical chronological breakdown, because really preseason is about talent evaluation, and we'll sort of give you what what we saw. So, you know, quarterbacks, uh, obviously Antonio Pipkin uh, started things off. I, I thought, you know, after what was a bit of a rough outing in the scrimmage, he came out fairly conservative, seven of nine completions, and he did get picked and I half the blames on him. It was sort of a drop ball, but it came late. His, his receiver was open early. And if uh, Pipkin get lets go of that ball timed correctly. That's an easy completion for a first down. It ends up getting knocked up in the air because the receivers hit uh, right as the ball gets there, uh, and it and it gets picked. But you know that's it's a much better look today, I thought, than than what he gave us last week. Yeah, he. I mean, he looked like a, a backup quarterback um, in terms of he was calm out there. He was able to run the very kind of quick and easy throws. Um, he ran some short yardage stuff. You know, he could come in and give you a fourth quarter if you had a lead, and and keep the you know keep the water at bay. Um, that's what he looked like. You know, where you know obviously Kelly is more fireworks, but you know he he doesn't he didn't have Pipkin's. I don't want to say professionalism, but but sort of right that that you know Pipkin. I thought Pipkin looked fine. 
he's not going to look any better than that. If he was better than that, he'd be a starter. Um, I thought he looked okay. I thought his passes were decent. I thought, I thought he moved the ball, um, you know, as well as you want your backup quarterback to move the ball. Uh, so I was, you know, I, I was, I was happy with it. I thought he, he probably solidified himself as a, as a member of the, uh, the quarterback room. Coach Dinwiddie in his press conference mentioned that on Pipkin's pick that he wished he had looked at the other side of the field. And I guess kind of what I got from that comment was that maybe he felt that Pipkin was sort of zeroing in on, on his targets yeah. and, and maybe not seeing the whole thing. I'm sure he was. If Pipkin could see the other side of the field, he'd be a lot more expensive. I wish, yeah, I wish well, my car was a Ferrari. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Let's talk about Chad Kelly. So he comes in that opening play he had where he threw that ball 400 yards uh, was exciting until it was incomplete. Uh, I wondered if that was a scripted pass. So I asked him about that after the game. Um, He said no, although he did say he's been begging to throw a deep post for a long time. Yep. And so it, you know, that play call came in. He he said it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a planned thing. They weren't planning to come out there and just, you know, bombs away, show off his deep arm. But the post call was there. He saw it open, and is it was just about a just about a foot too far. What was funny is he he felt it was underthrown when it left his hand. He felt like it was short, but it just ended up carrying and carrying and uh, just you know they they couldn't hook up. And that that's really tough too, uh, because you know as as the three. You know, you you you're not going to get tons of time to work with receivers. I mean that that pass is such a timing thing. Um, the the you know the wide receiver knowing what the arm strength is and what the pace of the wide receiver is, and you know for for really a pretty cold partnership, I thought that was a pretty good miss if there is such a thing because I'm sure those two have not run many reps on that pass. Yeah, and he talked about that difficulty after the game too. He he said that it's just constantly different guys in there, right. and it's not okay. like McLeod Bethel Thompson where he's pretty much getting the same guys each time, or you know, not that many more guys than he's used to. But when you're the second or the third guy, you're getting everybody, and so yeah, he, I'm, I'm sure sometimes he's he's leaving the huddle and he's like, Wait, who do I even who you know who's my, who's my ex here? Who's you know probably a lot of the guys he's you know he's still probably learning names and all sorts, and you're trying to account for a guy's speed on a post route. Uh, yeah, that's that, as you said, like that's that's a pretty low percentage. Yeah, and you know he, he he threw that one window pass uh, that that really should have been a pick but wasn't. Um, I think he's exactly what we saw at the scrimmage is, look, he's got an electric arm. Um, he, he can scramble. Uh, I think there's nothing but excitement if you look at him. It's just going to be a question of will he become a film head and 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 be able to throw the ball downfield against defenses. You know, but uh, look, I, I think for a number three quarterback, uh, a prospect you're developing – I, I was pretty happy with what I saw in that. You know, he lo- he looked like the third quarterback. He couldn't really read stuff downfield, but there's no doubting his arm and there's no doubting his um, presence out there. You know, he you know he he feels like a quarterback. Now he just has to do the the study to get there. He did have that one play that you mentioned where it looked like a young quarterback thing where he was, his legs were tied up. They were, you know, getting close to the end zone. His legs got tied up. He saw a receiver. I think it was Richardson that was open down near the end zone. And you're just like, you can't throw that ball. 
yeah and he just like you know i can get it there and it, that should have been picked um uh, but you know aside from that aside from that play and and maybe another one where he you know just tried to throw it 500 miles an hour through the, through that tight window you know you take those two away um you know that's something that uh, i think he can learn from and and get better but you know he ends up 7 of 12 78 yards he had that really nice touchdown drive on the Javon Leak touchdown you know that was that was largely him um, that got them in that position. So, you know, he made some really nice plays. Yeah, I think uh, it's, I don't... It's, it's kind of the classic, right? Like, like Pipkin's got a, a a higher floor and a lower ceiling, and Kelly's all ceiling and bottomless floor. Yeah, yeah, that's that's and that's the rookie thing, right? Like, you, you can get out there as a rookie and just look like a disaster. And, you know, he would probably, if he were, he's not going to play a lot this year, but if he did... He would have, I'm sure, disastrous games and then amazing games because he's got such a wide range that that really low floor and really high ceiling that you see from a skilled rookie. But yeah, I love, yeah, they, I love I what we have in that. They've got to be happy. I mean, I think they have to be happy. He he looks the part. There's no two ways about it. And he used his legs pretty well. There was there was one, although he, he took a pretty big hit. I think it was on that long run that he had, the 12-yard run. And then there was a couple plays later down near the Argos end zone where it looked like he was going to take off again. And then he saw a linebacker and just decided to, to sort of flick throw it instead. Probably gets an extra couple yards if he keeps it. But I think uh, that was, that was a, a smart decision at that stage. So that's something he'll learn as well. Uh, let's Let's... Keep going with the offense. Um, we'll look at the line a little bit. Uh, I was surprised, although uh, Coach Dinwiddie had a pretty good explanation for it. I was surprised to see the Argos first-round draft pick, Gregor McKellar, getting playing time on both the right and left side and really starting the game as basically starting as as a right guard going up against Cleon Lang, who just... Uh, you know, ran circles around him, unfortunately. But that's what's going to happen when you're a rookie and you go up against against Cleon Lang. You're you're going to get beat, and then he has to play the second half as the left guard. Uh, it's just a lot to ask for a rookie in his very first preseason game. Um, but when I asked Coach Dimity about it, he's like, "Look, this is you know, this is what I've got to work with. They don't, you know, they're not traveling with everybody. They've got a dress roster there, and he's like, Philip Blake's not going to play very much, and so." I can't play him the whole game, so I'm going to have to. Once Blake comes out, I got to move McKellar back to the other side, and so that's basically what happened. And that's why he, that's why he was playing both sides of the line and uh, playing. A, I think he played the whole game, so uh, he didn't look good in the first half. Very rough start, and then I thought he looked way more comfortable on the left side, which makes sense. He was a left tackle, um, and I think he was more comfortable. And he wasn't going up against Cleon Lang, which will make anyone look. Uh, you know, look terrible when you're going up against Cleon Lang. But yeah, he had some terrible whiffs. He got caught sort of reaching and lunging uh, early in that first half. And I, I you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't so sure, but I felt way better about his game after the second half. There wasn't anything else on the line that really shocked me other than I had kind of hoped we'd get better play from the tackles. Uh, you know, just... Looking at Ivy and Tate, uh, you know, guys that have some experience, I, I really don't feel that good about the O-line depth right now. Um, I, I thought Justin Lawrence looked great at center. I'm not worried at all about him. But you know what this makes me realize is how lucky the Argos were. And I guess it's not luck. It's it's you got to credit Vince Magri and the scouting staff for this. But Peter Nicastro last year had no preseason games 
and he's a rookie and he steps in there starting in day one and was among the best of the linemen all season long. And you realize when you watch, like Gregor McCullough is going to be a good player and I'm not, I'm not worried about him long-term, but you see what happened to him today in, you know, what would have been the equivalent of the Calgary game last year uh, with Nick Astro playing. And you realize just how ahead of all other rookies Nick Castro was last year and why he was runner up for rookie of the year, because yeah, he was outstanding and there should be a learning curve. And yeah, we we're, we're seeing McKellar go through that. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I think that it, it, it means that they're really, uh, you know, uh, I think they're really, um, I don't want to say excited again. I mean, I think they're really encouraged by the raw talent that he shows. Um, the, you know, they even even though it's you know it's a preseason game, the fact they're getting him reps out there, so they're getting film for him, uh, means that they feel like there's there's really something there to work on, and you know, and they're going to get film. They're going to be able to break down film with him, and uh, that's a that's a really big, I think, um, sign of approval. For the rookie that that they want the film to to work with him instead of you know just watch the game and we'll let you know down the road yeah and if you if you look at the other side of the ball like zach pelios who was drafted by ottawa uh in the first round second overall so he's going ahead of mckellar he was third string guard on the red blacks and that's more typical of what you would expect from a rookie and so it, it just the fact that like you're saying the fact that they've got him out there playing the whole game playing both sides of the line tells you that they have a lot of faith in this player so he's obviously shown them enough in camp where where they're like you know what this guy can handle it yeah he's going to make mistakes but he can handle it mentally he's going to learn from it. he's not going to get discouraged and and shut down or or shell-shocked or anything from this it's going to be good for him and he'll get back there and watch the tape um, I wish he were available to the media after the game because I would have liked to to ask him about the experience. But you know, maybe that's something that we can we can do in the coming week. But yeah, he just the fact that he's out there and you compare that to what other rookies are doing. Um, you know, I think I think that says probably all you need to know. Uh, receivers were sort of they were all over the map today. I, my takeaways were mostly negative. We didn't really see. We don't see a lot of receivers making huge plays. Uh, the leading receiver in terms of yards, A.J. Richardson, uh, two catches for, for 42 yards uh, with a, a long of 34, that, that deep ball. Um, I like Richardson a lot. I would, for me, it just evaluating this, I would have Richardson and Wright on this team no matter what. I really like what I got from them. Uh, Demonte Coxey had a decent game. He had a, a couple catches. Jamari Hester, who was talked about a lot after that uh, double blue scrimmage. Remember when we watched that game, we, we saw that touchdown and we, we loved the touchdown. We were blown away by it. We love his size and speed combination. But we saw a couple drops in that double blue game. And he had a couple more today. Uh, one was a drop. One looked like it was, you know, it's still probably a drop, but it was a tough catch. But there he is with four targets, no receptions, no yards, obviously. Um, and that's that's a concern for me. And so a player like him, I don't want to I don't want to get rid of him because I think there's so much potential there. Again, I love that size speed combo. You can't teach that. It's something that I think they can work with. But I think he's probably a practice squad target. And you're just hoping no one else picks him up at that point. I, I wouldn't be surprised actually to see him get less time 
in next week's preseason game just to actually show him a little less because I think that's I think that's a player that you want to work on and develop with the hopes of him being a real difference maker and those plays that touchdown pass from from McLeod Bethel Thompson that we saw in the scrimmage becomes more the norm rather than than the drops and the and the missed targets Uh, anyone else stand out to you receiver wise no I I was I mean you know, uh, I, they probably don't have much of the playbook in and, you know, you're dealing with your two and three quarterback. So it's tough to bang on them too much. I, d- I just didn't see much in terms of like speed and cuts like no nobody popped. Like it would have been nice to see that. I, I can't bang on them too much because there are obviously a lot of other factors that go into it for wide receivers. Um, I agree. I t- I don't th- I, I think he's going to be a real problem because I don't think they're going to be able to sneak him onto the practice squad. Um, yeah, it's tough, and know, they've got a lot of guys like that. Garbage teams out there, like those garbage teams out there that you know will definitely take him. Um, but it, can you keep him? I don't know. That's going to be. I think that's going to be one of the toughest uh, questions at camp. Uh, is do you do you cut a guy who who doesn't have the ceiling again? Back to that uh, of him, but is you know a professional wide receiver is going to get the job done. Um, that that's gonna be that's gonna be a tough conversation because I I don't think that they're gonna be able to get him onto the practice squad because I think somebody's gonna look at the same thing and they're not gonna have as good a room and they're gonna be like yeah we'll take him as our eighth wide receiver. Yeah, there are a bunch of guys too, like like you know Chandler Worthy. Uh, I, I I don't know what to do with him uh, either as a receiver or a returner. He's he's so fast, but it doesn't translate onto the field somehow, and I don't know why that is. The, like he, when he was he was returning uh, a punt and was trying to get to the outside, and just couldn't get there. And I don't know why he can't, because I know the speed that he can run at, and you see him move in practice on air. It just doesn't seem to. Yeah, the return game it, was it, a was a was a zero today too. Now again, they probably don't have anything in. They probably haven't done much install. So I'll I'll give that. I'll give that a pass till till the next game, but I I would love to see a little something from the return game. Yeah, well, let's let's just jump to the the return game now, since since you transitioned to it out of nowhere. Um, let's <laughs> to try to keep try to keep the show going. Try to keep the show moving. That's yeah, okay. Yeah, I so you were getting uh, bogged down on the weeds there. No, that's probably true. So the the number of guys they put out there, they're obviously searching for a returner. And Coach Dinwiddie had mentioned that after the game. They're really looking for for someone to go and win that job. It was tough today, though, because they really didn't have opportunities to to show what they can do. Part of it was Ottawa had really good coverage. And, you know, talking to uh, Javon Leak after the game, I asked him about, you know, how, how frustrating is it when you're trying to show off what you can do as a returner, but as soon as you get the ball, there's eight guys standing within five yards of you waiting for, to tackle you. And he just basically said, you know, it's just it's a process. And that's where we are right now um, in the preseason. And eventually these the blocks will hit and there's going to be space and there'll be windows for him to go through. But yeah, for all those returners, everyone that they put back there uh, and it was a ton of them. Uh, Isaiah Wright, uh, D'Angelo Amos, uh, Darius Roberson, uh, Chandler Worthy, Javon Leak. Tony Jones had a return. I thought at first it was Robbie Smith. And because it looked like 40. And this is when Robbie Smith was playing out of his mind in the first quarter. We'll get to the D line in a second. But I thought I saw 40 catch the ball. And I'm like, if Robbie Smith is, <laughs> is got a kick return on the stats too, then this is like the best game of his life. But I think it was Tony Jones they, they ended up crediting. 
Um, running backs, uh, Javon Leak had the best stats, six carries, 33 yards. They almost exclusively were uh, from that that 22-yard burst, and then he had that five-yard touchdown run up the middle. Um, he, he flashed some speed, though. There's yep. excitement there. Yeah, I, he's, I mean, he, I think he's on the squad for sure. Uh, you know, he looked he looked like a professional running back. He he you know, he he doesn't have blinding speed, but he does have a gear. You know, he definitely does have a gear. I like the way he ran. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought he looked like a starter playing with twos. So I'm, I'm I'm I think that's great. I think he's probably, you know, in my mind, he's probably number two on the depth chart. And the knock on him at Maryland was that he really didn't run much up the middle. But running up the middle in the CFL is very different from running up the middle when you're in the NFL. And that's, you know, that's why he didn't make NFL squads. Um, so I asked him a little bit about the space. Uh, and to no one's surprise, he loves how much room there is to the outside <laughs> up here. But I'm sure he also loves that the guys up the middle don't weigh 100 pounds more uh, than they do, which is the case down south. So, um, you know, just having, you know, smaller backers and uh, smaller D tackles, uh, you know, maybe does open up the middle for him because he he went at that touchdown run like, uh, you know, like the the boulder in Indiana Jones. He, he came flying up the middle. Mm, timely reference. Well, I saw it last night. It was on late. <laughs> uh, let's transition to the defensive side of the ball. Um, what do you think of the D line? It was a pretty, it was a pretty stacked D line for considering like all the seconds, thirds, fourths that were lining up on the offense. That D line was almost a starting unit. Yeah, there. well, I, I, I think that they're they're curious to see what they have. Um, yeah, look, I mean, look, the first quarter looked great. Um, like you say, I thought. Um, you know that uh, Robbie Smith flash for sure. Um, he, you know, he quick, quick uh, twitch around the outside a couple of times. He almost got home. Um, you know, Ray had a couple snaps. Didn't you know? It, it's tough to say, right? Just to watch just a quarter of of them playing. I thought the D line played okay. I thought I thought versus the run, uh, they looked pretty stout. Um, I actually thought the run issues were a little more linebacker based than they were D line based. Um, so you know, I thought I thought they looked fine the same way they did last year. Um, that's who they were last year. They were fine. Um, so I, I I can live with that. You know, it, it'd be it'd be nice if we had a little more game breaking pressure, but it doesn't it doesn't look like it currently unless uh, you know Robbie Smith continues to uh, to ascend. Yeah, and he's not the guy that we figured would be the you know the the one to go in there with with lightning speed and fly around. He, the he edge. certainly had the he, quicks of he had you know of of everybody out there. Yeah, and he had, he had that uh, I can't remember the lineman that was out there for uh, number sixty nine for Ottawa. I can't remember who it was out there, but um, he was in his head because he'd come around the outside so fast that he started hard stepping to the outside. Smith took an inside lane and almost had another sack. He just, he's got to finish those. And that was, unfortunately, one of the stories for the defense today was that they they couldn't tackle. Uh, they just couldn't finish tackles. There were so many broken tackles, extra yards from missed tackles from from Ottawa today. And and it was guys that you don't really expect that from. Like we said, you know, Smith missed a couple. Um, uh, almost every linebacker missed a tackle at some point. Deku had a, a bit of a rough series there, missing some tackles. So, um, you know, that's something that you'd like to see clean up. But that's also what happens in the first preseason game. There's a lot of rust. And these guys haven't been 
tackling in practice. And so this is really their their first shot at, at live tackling in, in months. And, and, and so, yeah, it looked rusty. And we've talked about it. Like, after Mwamba, like, it's a bit of a drop-off. Not a bit. It's a sort of um, coastal shelf. So, <laughs> you know. It, it it is an area that 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 isn't as strong. So like when you don't have Moamba out there, like there definitely is a bit of a gap there in the in the middle. Yeah, like I thought Sheldon and Jones were fine, um, but I, I kind of was expecting a bit more from Jones, and I think I probably got to take it a, a bit easier on him. Uh, sorry, I, I got to specify Jonathan Jones because we got two Joneses playing linebacker. So Jonathan Jones playing in, in middle linebacker. Um, you know, he's, he's fairly recently signed, so it's, it's probably uh, harsh to be really critical of him, but he looked like he was just sort of doing his job, which is sort of what we, that's kind of what we said on the last podcast. Like that's his thing is that he's a guy that doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He goes in there, he's dependable, he does his job, but I, I kind of wanted a little bit more difference maker from him. And I thought we would see that. Maybe we see that next week when he gets a bit more comfortable because he hasn't been up here that long. And Brady Sheldon, I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't think he jumped off the page either. He was fine though. Like they, 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 they played well, but you're right. It's just not the same as obviously, you know, we, when we saw Wynn McManus and, and Enoch Mwamba, those two are stars. And while Hoyt, I thought had a pretty good game, um, we we just didn't get too much from I mean, anybody else. And the thing is, Hoyt really looks great on specials. Yeah, he does. And you know, he's and we know Hoyt's going to be Hoyt's obviously going to be on the game day roster just for his special teams play alone. But we saw he got into the games last year quite a lot because there were so many injuries. So we know he can play linebacker. Ideally, the will spot. I know he was forced into some middle linebacker time last year, which isn't that's just not what he is. But he can play wherever. He's so valuable on specials. So, you know, he's obviously on the roster. But I wanted to see more from some of these other guys uh, at linebacker. Uh, it's pretty nice seeing, seeing Edwards at Sam. Oh. Uh, he looked like Great. Edwards. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's it. He looked like he looked like first half season Edwards from last year. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's he's ready to go. And the, we're still waiting to hear on the suspension. It's still listed as six games, but uh, I, I guess we'll hear. I can't believe it'll stay at six. I think that's. I, I don't I think, think it will calmed. either. I think it's calmed, honestly. I think I think it's calmed down. I think that. But why haven't we heard yet? Like the appeal has got to well, have sure occurred by now, right? Nah, who knows? I mean, they were doing CBA stuff and. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be back down to three. I, I don't. I don't think. I thought six was heavy-handed. Um, I get it's a you know it's it's a very sensitive topic with sports leagues for a variety of reasons um, that we can <laughs> get into at some point someday. Um, That's an off-season pod topic, yeah, I think. But I, I think I think that it, it's going to be rolled back to three. I I, th- I think six was uh, was too much for for what happened. And D'Angelo Amos was was backing him up. He got a, a lot of time today. He looked okay, but I think I'd sort of put his game with maybe ahead of what I saw from Sheldon and Jones. I think there were real moments for Amos where you saw athletically what he can bring, but uh, there's just got to be a bit more familiarity, and that will come. I'm, I'm, I think I think Amos is is on the team. I don't think there's any question about that actually, but he needs a little bit more time. I do think that's the position for him, though. The question is. Are they going to be comfortable enough to put him in there starting when Edwards is sus- uh, suspended? 
or is it going to be someone like Robertson Daniel uh, who comes in instead? So I guess that's what we'll have to wait and see. Um, the DBs were kind of kind of hit and miss. Uh, there were some big hits though. Let's talk about the positives. I, I thought McFadden looked fantastic yep. today. Um, that pick that he had was it was all brains. Uh, so they're playing uh, cover three cuts. So basically, the deep three are the safety and the two halfbacks. The corners have flats, and so. On that play, McFadden is dropping because he's watching the flats, but there's no threat to the flats. And so he drops for a little bit, hands off his receiver to deep third, and then is trying to find work for himself because there's still nobody threatening in the flats. He sees the receiver coming across to his side of the field, and he knows exactly where that ball is going, undercuts it. It's just a really smart football play, a nice athletic catch. Um, and he made a little bit of a run after that. So, but that, you know, that wasn't it. Like he had play after play today. I thought, I thought he looked like between he and Peters, I think they were the, the best two DBs out there. Um, I don't think there's any question about that. I, I was wondering though, the Peters was out there a long time. And, uh, I asked him after the game, if he was surprised about how much play, cause he, he was still out there in the fourth quarter. I asked him if he was surprised about that. He said, no. But the way he said no made me kind of think that maybe it, maybe this wasn't a, a hard no. I, I don't know. He did say that uh, his positional coach mentioned to him before the game, like, you better be ready for a lot of snaps, just like heads up. So so from that standpoint, he wasn't surprised. But, you know, he was a starter all last year. It's just I think it's a bit strange to have him still in the game at that point, especially when you've got, you know, you're trying Tiggy Sanko out at corner. He had a bit of a rough time uh, at corner. I, I just don't think he's a corner. I think he's I think he's a halfback or a safety. I, I don't think he's a corner. He he struggled out there a little bit. But you got Boateng and you could take a look at Sanko. It's just preseason. I don't know why you have Peters out there. But then right as I was tweeting about that, Peters had that gorgeous pick six. And so I guess that's. I guess that's why you have Peters out there. But that was a that was a beautiful play. Yeah, it, it, you know, and one of the things they actually talked on the broadcast, which is interesting too, um, is you know, with the hash, we've been talking a lot about the boundary side and how that's, or sorry, field side and how that changes. Um, you know, your will and what you can do over there. But but the fact that the boundary side is bigger is also a really interesting challenge for the secondary. Um, you're not you're not really in a phone booth anymore. Yeah, and he actually said that it makes it much easier for the boundary. So from a defensive back standpoint, because remember, it, like it's so it's so fast in the boundary. Everything's so much quicker to, in the boundary in the old CFL because yeah. you're so close to that receiver. The quarterback's throwing the ball like you know ten yards, and so it just gets whipped in there, and everything's just so immediate. Not only do you have the fastest guy out there, and but you've got the quarterback throwing barely any distance to him. And what he said after the game was that he uh, just found it so much slower. And so on that on that route, I asked him if he was, you know, was this was it off coverage or was he baiting? He basically said, yeah, I was baiting. Um, it's a young quarterback who's suddenly throwing a lot further than he's used to. And so he's basically leaving his receiver open, ready to charge in to close that space. And like he said, he had all the time in the world to do it because suddenly that's a much further throw. And you're right, we didn't talk about that at all. We've just been focused on the the, the field side in this. And we've talked a little bit about the halfbacks' responsibilities and the Sam Backers' responsibilities. But yeah, it's interesting that, that it makes, you don't maybe need, maybe you don't need the same sort of shutdown style boundary corner that you did in the, in the old setup. 
Yeah, I, it'll be interesting how it challenges quarterbacks too. Those are different throws, um, you know. So you you know you're gonna it, it, it may for those who kind of rely on the boundary because maybe their arms not there. It's I think it's going to expose some people um, because you're going to be asked to make different throws uh, than you used to. So you don't you might I mean they weren't making that wide field throw anyways. So they they didn't lose that, but now their boundary throw is going to be, you know, um, a harder throw. So I, I don't, I'm really curious to see how how the quarterbacks adapt to it. Uh, a slightly quieter game from Carnell the fourth than we saw when he was the star of the double blue scrimmage. Uh, Priester out there at halfback. I, I just thought that's a weird call for him. He's so clearly not a halfback. He's never really played nickel corner he he spent his whole time at wyoming playing playing corner now he's a, he's a traveling corner so he would play both sides of the field but it's really different the difference between being a nickel corner or a halfback instead of an outside corner it, it's a pretty drastic thing and he's got the body type for it and the quickness for it but you can't just going from having to really only defend one side to defending both sides right like when you're on the outside the receiver can really only run past you or in. That's it. There aren't any other options. But when you're in the slot, now they can run in, out, or past you. And it's it's just difficult. We saw Priester get turned around a few times. And of course he did. That's just not what he's been trained for his whole life. He's He's been a corner. So I think that was a bit of an, an unfair position to put him in. But I, I guess they want to take a look at him everywhere and you know see where he can fit. But I, I just didn't... I, that's not his spot. He's He's got to be a corner. Yeah, or, yeah, they're not particularly concerned. They had Sutton at uh, safety, which I did think was a better fit, especially because they seem to be going Canadian at that spot. So that made sense to me. And I thought he looked okay there. He missed a tackle. They sent him in on a on a, a safety blitz too, which was kind of cool. I think they had him spying on one play as well. It's hard to tell from the TV angle, but I think that's just a... That's a way better spot for him. He, he looked far more comfortable there than he did playing corner uh, like we saw in the in the double blue game. Uh, n- not the best game for Tristan Deku. I love Tristan Deku. I think he's I think he's got so much potential as a CFL player. And I think he can play any of the DB spots, but it just wasn't his day today. A little bit of rust, a couple of missed tackles. So hopefully he can rebound next week with a, a really nice outing because he's a much better player than than what we saw from him today. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the special teams. Uh, I was not that this is new for us. Like we said, even after the global draft, that we wouldn't be surprised to see John Haggerty punting and Boris Beattie with field goals. I, I I think that's almost a lock now. And Coach Dinwiddie said in his press conference that he would. It would he was asked. I think it was Frank Ciccarelli uh, from the Sun that asked him. You know, is this really a possibility where we're going to see Haggerty punting to start the season? And Dinwiddie's response was basically that he would be a fool not to at this point. So that sounds sort of like a almost a lock to me. And I, I don't see how you can how you can disagree with that because his statistics are amazing. Uh, his punts today, uh, he ended up with nine punts. For 387 yards, now, I will say, you do not want your punter punting for 387 yards in a game. That usually means things aren't going well. But uh, the fact that he's averaging 53 yards of punt, he had a long of 64, 
there were a string of like four punts in a row that were over 50. Um, and then how about that one that, that went a mile and bounced out at the one yard line? He's just got so much accuracy. Uh, he's, he's the punter, right? Yeah, I think he probably, I think he probably, um, uh, you know, finished out Fado today. Um, I can't imagine they're going to keep all three. Yeah, he looked good. He looked, he looked, uh, he looked excellent. And that, of course, that was, that was an all time, uh, corner punt. Uh, I, I think he's on the team for sure. I think they will keep Sato for the practice squad. Um, yeah. You know, he he connected on his field goal today, and I think I think I think you almost need to because the thing is, it's you don't want to be in a situation last year where we saw so many teams struggling to find a kicker. They're just not easy to find, and if you do have an injury to Boris Beattie, uh, you want to bring in uh, Tashiki Sato at that point to kick and still have Haggerty punting. Um, and so I, I just think it's too risky to lose him. So, you know, I, I thought he looked good today. I, you know, he, he did it, went out there and did his job. And I, I would expect him to, to be on the practice squad. And I think we're going to see Haggerty uh, dressing on game day as the punter. JB, let's talk about those last three minutes. So it got exciting at the end there. Argos are up three. Uh, I asked Coach Dinwiddie about the strategy because... You've obviously got a plan for how many reps you want guys, when you want guys coming in. And I just sort of asked him as a competitor, if there's a switch that gets flipped late in the game, under a few minutes to go, do you switch from player evaluation to, hey, let's win this game? And his response was, no, you 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 don't. And his answer instead was, you stick with your script but you expect the young guys that you have in at that stage of the game to execute. And he was clearly disappointed in the players that were out there for not executing. Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, similar to my earlier Ferrari comment, I get that as a coach. Um, you want every, you don't want to drop off when you roll in threes and fours. Um, and you can say that, you know, as a coach, that that's what you're demanding. But, you know, they're, they're threes and fours for a reason. If, you know, if, if they were really good, they wouldn't be threes and fours. So it is going to get a little sloppy. I thought it was fine at the end. I thought both sides. Look, Ottawa was terrible last year, so I don't, you know, I might mock them a little bit for being excited about the win, but I get it going for it because they're trying to build something. And I like that the Argos really didn't care, um, you know, at the end, which is fine too because – you shouldn't care. That's not what this, this this game should be a practice to you if you're a great cup contender. The the score should be absolutely immaterial. But there's still it's still hard to turn that off at the end where you want to win. Yeah, right? Because know. you get down those last couple of minutes and you're like, wouldn't it be nice when we're flying home nah, in a couple of hours that we won the game? It's a practice. I know you say that, but when you're I don't know, when I, I just I, I don't know. You've been through you've been through exhibition games before, preseason games before. Yep. This when it comes down to the wire and you're close at the end, you you just sometimes you want to get that win. But but I think he did the right thing because I don't think you can. There's so little that can go right from sending guys back out there. So suppose you do send Chad Kelly back out there and a couple of starting receivers and a, you know another starting lineman out there. Suppose that that's what you do for your last drive. There's so many things that can go wrong. You can get a guy hurt 
And now everyone's like, well, why would you put him back in with a minute left in the fourth quarter of a preseason game? Um, or you can not win with that group. And now what does that say? You know, what if that group loses the game for you? Um, you know, that's that's much worse. So there, there's very, the only one thing that can go right there is that they're perfect and, and no, you win the game. No, it's good. I, I would have been disgusted if they had brought players on to win. That's, that's loser build. That's where Ottawa's living. Like, if you're a terrible franchise... Get your wins where you can get them. I, I'm all for it. But, man, if you're not a loser franchise, you shouldn't care even 10 seconds about what the score is. So what do you want to see next week uh, from the preseason game? It's uh, technically at home. The game's in Guelph. We'll do a preview as we lead up to this week. But just based off of today, you know, what do you think the coaching staff is going to uh, come up with when they – kind of look through their game film, come up with a new plan. Obviously, the roster is going to be a little bit lighter going into next week. There are going to be some cut downs. Uh, do, you, do you plan now for let's, let's see the starters? Or are you coming into this still unsure about those, those seconds and whatever thirds are still remaining? Uh, I would, yeah, I would have starters to have. I would, I would essentially have my opening day crew um, going to half with maybe one or two that you're still taking a look at, but I would I would play a half a game. I would try and be up at half, and then who cares what happens? Then stay healthy in the second half. But like I think, play play full it, out, play full starters to half. Especially because you've got a bye week one, and so this is really the last chance you have for your starters to get some meaningful time. And yeah, I agree with you. I think that's they probably come out of this with some ideas. They got some really good film on some guys that they probably had question marks about. And so, you know, I think some of these decisions are going to be a little easier going forward. But you've still got a half to play with if you need to. I agree with you. I think you, you put your starters out there for the first half next week. I think that's your plan. And I think you really come up with a solid game plan, like more than what they had today. And that's, I'm not criticizing what they had today. I think that's, that's what you have to do. There wasn't, you know, it was a pretty vanilla offense and defense. There wasn't a lot going on. They did, they ran some split coverage and, you know, had a, you know, a safety blitz here and there, but for the most part, it was, they were, they were playing off, especially early on. There was a, a lot of cushion that they were giving uh, Ottawa. And, uh, you know, I think maybe next week you just crank it up a little bit. You know, maybe you send a little bit more heat. Maybe you throw some exotic stuff just to kind of see, you know, how these guys can handle it. And you go almost full out for that half. And then you can sort of sit back and, and see uh, what some of those uh, roster battles, um, you know, how those are going to sort themselves out. So that's that's what I would expect, I guess, for next week. Are you worried at all about the missed tackles? Uh, no, no, I'm not worried I'm not worried about anything in this game. <laughs> what do you mean you're not worried about anything? I, I, Is it like I don't? I, I just don't think it's like. I mean, football, like even if you have one or two people who aren't your ones out there, things are going to collapse. Like it just, you know, that's just the way football is. There's no hiding somebody on the field. So, you know, if you're not, st- it's like it's why when if you have an injury, your season goes south. Because you got to have twelve starters, and so like when you're not running twelve starters, I don't I don't really pay it much mind at all, to be honest. I'm worried about the tackling only in that I'm worried enough to write it down, and if I see that again next week, then I'm going to be concerned about it. I think you know these guys. They like I said before, there's not 
you don't have hitting in practice. These guys aren't tackling every day. It's not like it used to be. And it does take you a little bit to, to get back into it. I, you know, I don't really have the answer as to why we didn't see that from Ottawa other than, well, they did have their, their starters in. Um, but their backups didn't really miss tackles to the same degree that Toronto's did. I don't really know why that is. But yeah, I'm going to write it down, but I'm not, I'm not you know, pulling an alarm at this point or anything like that. Last thing, JB, the color of the flags. We had yellow flags today. CFL flags are traditionally orange. I wasn't sure. I felt, I felt like because I noticed it. I was thinking at first, is my TV color off or are these yellow flags? It just looks so weird to me. And yeah, everyone on Twitter was, was talking about it. Yeah, they're yellow flags. And then I felt like I, I felt like I was supposed to be bothered by it, but then I realized I didn't actually care. Um, did it bother you? No, not at all. Yeah, I don't. I, I feel like it should because to me it feels like well, this is a Canadian thing, but really it, it's not. Like it it is, but it's not something I care about. Like I care a lot about some things in Canadian football. I love the three downs. I like the field size. I like the ball. I like pretty much everything about Canadian football. The color of the flag has never been something that I identified with. Maybe it's just as a coach, I don't like flags. And so I haven't really registered it. But um, yeah, it didn't. I I felt like I was supposed to be upset about it. But at the end of the day, I I don't actually care. No, it's fine. I I do think they're making an attempt. um, You know, this this doesn't take much detective work. You know, they want the visuals of the game to look more American. I'm I'm okay with that. I I don't think we need to be so provincial that 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 you know that we we fear that I, I, don't, I don't mind that at all that they want when you look to the game it's the color of the flags and the hash marks and it it looks like other games it looks like college football it looks like the nfl uh i think those are easy um easy gives to their desire to potentially sell the game to espn yeah i'm fine with that too because i i do think the american networks and what the nfl the ncaa they do a great job of marketing their game of selling their game the visual experience is great the intensity is great um you you feel like you are watching something special and the cfl has had trouble capturing that at times it's not the quality of play that's never been the issue and you know i didn't feel and just you know going back to the ratio talk and canadian talk that's that's not the problem but the experience, the TV experience is different. And I'm all for them making it look a little bit more slick. And if that means maybe looking a little bit more similar to the NFL in those things and changes of flag colors and hash marks, that's, that's fine with me. I'm, I'm okay with all that. So it didn't bother me. And in fact, I, I, I think I support that initiative. Well, that will just about do it for us on this post-game recap for your first preseason game. The Toronto Argonauts again losing 23-17 to the Ottawa Red Blacks. We'll be back Tuesday as we will get you set for preseason game number two against the Hamilton Tiger Cats in Guelph. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya.